Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Let's bring in the outstanding Frank Bodani. Frank, always a pleasure, my friend. Great to have you back. Hey, good afternoon, Steve. Hope you're doing well midweek here. I'm doing very well. How about you? You know, it's a busy, a little busy time here. There's a few <laughs> things going on with Penn State football. Just a couple here. We head towards so, Thanksgiving, you know. So what have what what have been your thoughts about how the last seventy two hours plus and how it's played out here and what the future can look like? So we'll start with how it's played out to this point. Well, I think the timing of the of Mike Yersich's firing and that announcement and such, I think maybe caught some people a little by surprise, just the timing of it, but not the occurrence of it. I think that seemed to be trending toward a move. And, hey, I mean, the offense did not look, at least from the outside, the way fans, media types and such expected, did not do that. So what's going to change? Something's got to change. And I think uh, it's interesting that now we have, at least officially, you know, unofficially, we have a coordinator search going on as the season's going on. So it's a lot because there's also a game Saturday, (laughs) of course, that, you know, you can't, you know, you're not forgetting about, but. I think Penn State fans are just more, you know, I mean, they know that Penn State plays Rutgers on Saturday, but I think it's more about, well, where do we go from here? Because what they saw on offense is not what they what they wanted, what they expected, and not enough to beat the two teams they really cared about, fair or not. So it seems like the focus is a little more on that than it is on, on, who, on, on the Rutgers-Scarlet Knights going on. All right. Uh, so when you look at the state of that offense, quarterback, running backs, offensive line, tight ends, wide receivers, how do you look at each grouping to this point based just on what you've either seen on TV or when you've physically been there to watch it? What is your general impression of each of those areas? Well, running backs, I, I just think there's more to get from them. Um, and I wonder about being utilized, how they could be utilized, because Nick Singleton and Katron Allen both at least appear to be vastly, you know, have vast talents among them. I mean, we see, we we saw Nick Singleton run away from people very explosive last year. You've seen Katron Allen with his vision, with his power, and it just seemed like there's there's more to get there. So how do you how do you get Nick Singleton in space? How do you make those athletic those great athletic gifts real weapons it just seemed like they were not able to do that so give them all the credit for how hard those two kids are trying but um i think it's the usage there i think there's there's more to gain i really thought they'd both be more involved in the pass game Mm -hmm. this year and getting somehow nick in space and on the edge um the tight ends, 
I mean, really productive. I, I mean, I guess I'm always someone that thinks, hey, you got six foot five guys who can really catch the ball. Why are you not throwing it to them even more? I think they really got to try to find that group more the last couple games of the season. Because I think they're they're so good at what they can do, especially catching. You know, um, blocking. I think it's hard to replace Brenton Strange. I, I think yes. that's that's just that's a reality. Agreed. I think he did a tremendous job, and I think he maybe over exceeded his expectations as a blocker last year. But I think they missed him this year. Um, but pass catching wise, the tight ends to me is you know everything the red zone, everything you would want. I mean, wide receivers, that's the biggest question on the entire team, Steve, to me. That's the biggest fault of the entire team. Um, do they have a number one guy? I, I, I mean, I don't know. Andre Lambert-Smith, great athletic ability. I don't know if he's quite what the number ones were in the past. And they don't have the, they don't, they don't have the guys behind them. And that's, to me, their biggest priority Going forward, next season, development, transfer portal, whatever you want to say, that's the, to me, that's number one on the team. Um, offensive line, I think, has done well enough. Have they dominated the way some people thought maybe in the run game at times? No. I, I, but overall, I mean, the guy, Caden Wallace has stepped up. I mean, I think we can see that. I think they've held their own. You know, I think they've held their own, and and Drew Aller is the quarterbacks. You know, Drew is, is, is number wise. I think he's, you know, it's tremendously coachable kid. Has done everything they seemingly have asked. Two biggest games. I think he needs more help, and I wonder what it's going to look like in the pass plays coming up Saturday. For example, are we going to see a real difference in the roots? The you know the schemes trying to make what James said make it easier for Drew early in the games with with easier passes. So I'll be I'll be fascinated to see how that looks any differently. Where do you think Drew Aller is maybe better than he was when he started the season? How, you know, let's we'll keep it on that vein because I mean everybody will take okay he's not doing this this and this. What do you where do you think he's better mm-hmm. right now? Well, I, you know, I think he's come into terms with the idea of running with the football. I mean, and mm-hmm. making yeah. that decision to do it. I didn't know if that would be a part of his game. I didn't know if it would need to be a part of his game. But he is six foot, what, six four, six five. I mean, he kind of looks like Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he's a load to bring down, and I think yeah. there's there's things to gain from that, right? Right. So, I mean, to me, that's and, – and him maybe dealing – okay, so I didn't know if he'd have to deal with a lot of adversity from the position. So I think we've seen him do that, uh, the way he's entertained the media, the questions, some of the tough times on the team. I think he's he's handled that. I think he's handled that pretty well. Yeah. Okay, so defensively, when you look at this team defensively, what are the elements that you like about it that puts the team in a position to win consistently? Well, I mean, speed, depth. Um, you to me, you have the most. You have arguably the most talent of any Penn State defense just to start with under James Franklin. You know, we went through this at the beginning of the year. I mean, there's three, four All-American candidates on that team. 
on that defense and the speed that they have, the depth that they have, and the guy calling the plays and coaching them up. I mean, is there one better in the country than Manny Diaz? I think he's as good as they get. Yep. So that combination, I mean, and it's all layers, right? I mean, I, I think another Penn State defense has been so good at linebacker, so good on the line. I think, you know, it's that the talent and everything I talked about is spread out on three layers better than it's ever been. Right. Okay, so uh, we talked about you know, moving forward from here. The choice of an offensive coordinator, how interested are you going to be in the style of coordinator it is based on the fact that you do have two quarterbacks here that do have nuanced differences but some differences as to how they play the game? Absolutely, and I think James made it a point on Monday to talk about how they're going to be involved. I mean, Drew Aller is your number one guy, right? Five-star quarterback. He has all the NFL, at least it looks like all the NFL abilities and tangibles. And to me, you got, I mean, you, you, you search for this type of guy to me. You finally got this type of guy. So I think you have to make a choice on somebody that's got to be able to come in and coach that type of guy I, I mean I, I you know what coaches in, in this day and age players the what is the loyalty really anywhere I mean they yeah. can they can go somewhere and they can change the next month the next year so you got to get what to me you have to be able to if you have a some a treasure there some gold you got to be able to develop it and mine it like now so to me, I, I think somebody has to be able to develop a pro-style quarterback. It's going to be a rough choice to me if all of a sudden the pick is somebody that hasn't been able to prove that in their career, right? Somebody that's completely, you know, maybe just all spread and, and look at what quarterbacks they've worked with. I mean, I think you need someone that's been able that would be, have been able to develop a guy like Drew Allen because – you know, that's the kind of guy that, I, to, to me, that's the kind of guy that can win you, that can win you a championship. So I, I am. I mean, nothing against anybody else that, and on that roster. Love Bo Perbula and um, the other guys they got coming in and, and, and Jackson. But I think you have to be able to develop a big pro-style quarterback. All right. So now let's get to this part. There will be those who are vocal about how they feel about a coaching staff when things don't go right on the field on a particular weekend. And normally that call is to fire everybody, head coach, mm-hmm. coordinators, janitor, everybody. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and we, I've done a lot of, I've done research on this. And what I've found is, and let, I want to know what you think about this. Mm-hmm. You look at some of the big name programs, USC has been searching Texas has been searching, right? I mean, Miami's been searching. To a point, Florida State's been searching. They've all been trying to search, and, and Texas A&M's been searching. They've been running through people. Auburn's been searching, right? When you look at James Franklin, right, and the progress that's at least been made to get to this point based on where he took over, what should the perspective be, in your opinion, about that and what I just talked about? Well, 
there's two different ways of you know you almost have to sit somebody down and, and say that okay there's two different ways of looking at this i understand the fan your way you want you have a certain expectation based on mm-hmm. previous what you think they what they've done and what you think they should do and then you have the reality of the rest of the college football world and you know uh lavar errington had a nice little yes video uh piece today and trying to put things in perspective 10 and 2 and and beating you know they have not lost to anyone else on their schedule other than ohio state and michigan so that's the flip side that kind of consistency is kind of it's pretty much unbelievable right because james gets looked over and glassy-eyed when he talks about consistency but i mean to beat everybody else every week i think it is it is harder to do obviously than what people realize right i mean that's an accomplishment and that's pretty much i mean that's been the case that's not just this year i mean that's been the case for several years here um Mm -hmm. so do p are people can they look at the bigger picture i think it's simply that can they look at the bigger picture do they care about the bigger picture the bigger picture meaning what his overall success has been in rebuilding not just winning but in rebuilding penn state right and in this day and age when everything is so much more volatile with your coaching staff and your players Mm-hmm. And I see here, Steve, here's the other part that I think is hard for people to understand is the, is the financial NIL part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard for all of us to understand because I don't think the, the figures are, you know, they're not right laid out there for you as to what is coming and what goes and what you need. But we know Penn State was behind in that. Yes. And that's not necessarily James Franklin's fault. So you do need money nowadays to be able to put together talent on a team. <laughs> and that's something I think people still do not want to grasp. And I think Penn State is working toward that. And I think with the success that James has had, I mean, that plays into this. Um, but if you don't, you know, but then at the end, you know, I think it's, I think people just want, they just want a win or two over those teams. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really. Of course, absolutely. I think that's what it really comes down to. Absolutely. If they would have, how would, the, how would the narrative be for fans if they won one of those games this year and that's it? No Nothing else has changed in the last two years. But you are right. Yep. How much you, different would you think it'd be? Yeah, I mean, it would be dramatically different, right? And we'd be having a different conversation right now, even with a split. Yes, one game. I mean, and and maybe he's, you know, and I, I'm not there. You know, I don't know what the disconnect may be between James Franklin and the staff and Mike Yurcich and the plan being created and the plan being executed. But if that's that could be one of the main things holding them back in those two games for for whatever reasons and if you're going to fix it you fix it now try to and if they come out next year with whoever they have leading and then they win one of those games and take care of their business mm-hmm. um going to be a different a different scenario i mean it's a tough world we live in when it comes to no. judging isn't it no it's it's very tough uh, without question, and the dynamics change dramatically next year, Frank, because next year means that Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA are in. 
It's a 1 through 18. The top two get in, but even if you're not in the top two, you could be three or four because the college football playoff expands to 12. What can that do pro and con to the perception of any any coach? Yeah, it's harder and easier, right? Because, I mean, now Penn State has an easier chance of qualifying, but their schedule's a little tougher, (laughs) I mean, in some ways. Um, But here's the thing. I think it's it's not going to hurt to be tough as tough of a change for them as others right because they are one of the few who already has to play had to play ohio state and michigan every year right, right. they already yes. know what it's like to do that so now suddenly they're not they're going to have to play those pac 12 teams but they're not going to have to at least play ohio state and michigan every year the same year so I don't think it gets dramatically tougher for them as it does for others because they've already known that, <laughs> right? right. Um, so I, I think when this all shakes out, I think it's going to be better for Penn State um, because I think simply the fact they've proven that they can make an expanded playoff. They've proven that since 2016. Right. They could have done it several times. And I don't think even with the Pac-12 teams coming in, that that's going to change. All right. Frank, always a pleasure. Great uh, perspective, as always. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. All the best till then. Enjoy it. Frank Bodani, York Daily Record.